Welcome to Dragon Talk. My name is Gregory Tito, and this is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and I'm joined by... Shelly Mazanoble. Who is very precise. And official. In her voice. Why are you Gregory Tito? I, why don't, you're my mom. You kind of like really liked it. raised the bar. That's why I felt like I needed to have my professional voice. I was not named after the Brady. Oh, but actually, but what, you just introduced yourself as Gregory and not Greg. Well, well, my full name is Gregory. I know, and my full name is Michelle. Hear me your name's that. Michelle? You didn't know that? No. Lots. Oh, Ryan is surprised too. I. Why don't people what? associate Shelly and Michelle ever? Because I, I, I don't know. I know. I, I'm mind blown. That is. Uh, Michelle. Is Michelle Mazanoble. I know. It's got like alliteration it to it. Totally does. All right. Well. Wow. Whoa, wow. My gosh. Ryan is really losing it over there. He's like doing fireworks with tissues. A lot of people don't connect. <laughs> You're amazing. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't connect the Michelle a, and the Shelley. Why did you change it? I didn't change it. It's well, why did you go by, you just always went by Shelley? Yeah, my parents, except for second grade, I was Michelle. For, I was scared of my teacher and I didn't want to tell her to call me Michelle or Shelley. Really? You're like, if I tell her a different like, name, I'll be protected. She was like this like, tall, beautiful woman. I was like, I, I'll just let her call me Michelle. <laughs> I, been, I remember like my birthday cake when I was... In second grade, eight years old, I was happy birthday, Michelle. And then, like, every year before that and every year after that, it was always Shelly. Then I was back to Shelly. Interesting. Yeah, it was just, like, one year. Crazy. But I don't – my mom and dad, and just, just they just it. always called me Shelly, so I don't really know why they even bothered with Michelle. Huh. Interesting. But a lot of people – like, in college, I lived with, like, three other women, and they would – someone would call and say, is Michelle there? And they were like, no, you have the wrong number. Like, no, they <laughs> Yeah, they just wouldn't, <laughs> nobody could ever connect the two. That's crazy. They would throw away my mail if it said Michelle. Like, Mazanoble, like you guys didn't connect. Right, well, they thought they were scamming you. That's the whole thing. I guess, yeah. yeah. All right, well. Uh, anyway. I am Greg Tito, and I'm here with Michelle Mazanoble. I, okay, that just sounds weird. It does sound weird. That's why I have to use my different voice. <laughs> For when you're Isn't Michelle? Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? Oh, oh, I was Michelle when my mom was mad at me, too. Oh. She well, would bust I'm, out the Michelle. Are I'm you Gregory? Totally, yeah. Exactly, which is now why my wife uses it as well. Uh, so <laughs> Dragon Talk is the uh, podcast, the official one, where we like to talk about Dungeons & Dragons things. Uh, what's going on in Dungeons & Dragons, Shelley? You tell me. Well, we've Communications Storm, manager. Storm King's Thunder is out. It is an adventure. With a vengeance. It is, there's chaos happening, and it is up to you. I'm talking to you, me. sir, oh. or ma'am, who's listening to this podcast. Uh, that you have to go and uh, uh, save Faerun from the trampling of the giants. Figure out where the Storm King is. We don't know what he's doing. He's supposed to be keeping these people in check. Yeah, what's going on? I don't know. Something. He, he's messing up. There's something least. going yeah, on. There's something. And it's up to our listeners to find out. Okay. All right. So Report check it out. Back. It's in stores. Uh, there's a lot of Adventurers League content that's coming out for it as well. We just had the amazing PAX West. Uh, celebration. A lot of people got to have fun playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah. uh, in our play area in the annex, second floor annex. It was basically like full. Like Friday morning, there was a couple of empty tables. Beyond that, it was oh, full really? the entire weekend. Yeah, I, I was there on Saturday, and it was chaos. Jam packed. People wanted to play and couldn't. Organized chaos. We had to turn them away. Yeah. Be like, go play on the streets. I saw some of that. Yeah, I know it's sad. Go play on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. What you got? Go to the magic area. We got a list here. <laughs> of people who are, are you know, thought ahead. That and, is uh, so D&D. It's, it is. It's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there was like uh, bootleg versions of, of Dungeons Dragons being played all over PAX. Well, sad people. Uh, I was told to play out here. But then Chris Perkins uh, got to run the actresses and incorporated crew through all that fun stuff. Dressed as a gold dragon. I know. His poor gold dragon spines keep kept hitting the microphone. I felt bad. Yeah. I know. I was like, next time, you've got to design a costume that doesn't involve. Well, you got to think about that. Points and things. You got to think touching. about that. When I know. You're designing it. I know. Yeah. Plus, it was hard for him to pick up stuff because of his gloves. But it was. It was. He muscled through. He was a, a, a champion Plus for good. Plus, it's got to be hot. Oh, there. I think the one was a little bit. That's one thing they've learned where there's more ventilation. ventilation. Yeah, and with the clouds flowing and the set behind him, I think it felt like he was. Uh, oh, yeah. It gave the, the illusion of a gentle breeze. Yeah, the fog machine. There was a fog machine. Oh. I don't know if you saw it. it was, I thought it was fog. I thought it was real fog. Oh, it was real fog. Imported yeah. from the storm <laughs> giants. Uh, no, the cloud giants. The cloud uh, giants. The old castle. Factory. <laughs> the factory. <laughs> where they make cloud giants. That's where they make them. Yeah. Amazing. So that's all the things that's going on. We got Widow's Walk, the expansion of... Betrayal at House on the Hill. Coming up very soon. October 14th. And then, of course, Bolo's Guide to Monsters uh, comes out around that same time frame yeah. uh, as well. I think it's November it? 14th and uh, uh, in stores at the end of October. Oh, cool. In uh, game stores. And there's a very, for those of you who are at home and have a friendly local game store nearby you, uh, those game stores will have an alternate cover oh, for Volo's Guide. Oh, yes. Limited print run. Very it's amazing. Cool. It's uh, designed by Hydro74, uh, who's a big fan of D&D and the brand. He's done a lot of other stuff for like Star Wars and Nike. And, you know, it's amazing that he does uh, does Dragon's work for us. So go check that out. Uh, I think it's at the end of October. I'm going to say like October 30th. Cool. Yeah. So happy Halloween. Bye, Volo's Guide to Monsters. Yeah. Leave it out when your kids are trick-or-treating. Yeah. yeah. And we have an amazing guest f- today. Mr. Wolfgang Bauer <gasps> is back. I can't believe he keeps coming back. I, well, you know, he is. Uh, he gives a good interview. Well, I know that we want him back, but like he actually agrees. <laughs> That's the amazing part. That's the part I find amazing. I know. I, apparently he's going to bring uh, Toma Beast too, so I can't wait to uh, flip through that and look yeah. at its wonderfulness. It's really big. It's like a tome. It's a tome. It's a tome. Filled with beasts. Uh, before we get to him, though, we have uh, a wonderful Lore You Should Know segment. Nice. Yeah, we get to figure out some new uh, uh, things about lore that you may not know about, uh, and uh, hopefully you can use it to weave it into your game uh, if you are a dungeon master or not. Or, or dinner party. Or, or a player, or a dinner party. That's a man who's getting invited back to dinner. It's true. I love it. I love it too. All right, so let's go listen to that. Okay. Welcome to Lore You Should Know. I am joined uh, by two lovely gentlemen, uh, Mr. Matt Cernet. Howdy. And Chris Perkins. Hey, and who are you again? Oh, I'm Greg Tito. But, you know, technically they might have introduced me in the earlier part, so they know who I am. I had seriously forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I asked. (laughs) We work together, you know, every once in a while. Oh, never mind. Tito, Tito. So today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a little snippet of lore in Lore You Should Know uh, uh, that we like to do to get your juices flowing and your Dungeon Master's Dungeon Mastering. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about Elminster and 
a uh, lovable scamp named Volo. Yes, awesome characters. Yeah, uh, they've been around for quite a long time in Dungeons and Dragons lore. Uh, so Matt, yeah, what can you tell us about? Obviously, we can't go too deep into Elminster. We probably need Ed Greenwood uh, uh, around for for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's what's the 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 quick top level version right. of Elminster? Uh, I'm glad you you brought up Ed. Uh, uh, Dave Gross, uh, longtime editor of uh, Dragon Magazine uh, for uh, many years recently said of Elminster, I'm sorry, of Ed Greenwood, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that he is basically the combo of Elminster and Volo together, and I think that's very apt. Um, so so Elminster is this sort of uh, wily, um, wise uh, scamp of a wizard to, to some degree, um, but he's, his sort of in-world history is really long, and uh, there's a, um, a novel about that. Uh, but uh, he's a he was born a long time ago in a kingdom that's now long time wiped off the face of Faerun, which is uh, called Athelantar, and he was a uh, the son of a local lord, and basically the the sort of king uh, came in and uh, killed his father, and he became a uh, sort of brigand and ne'er do well um, who was sort of doing the Robin Hood kind of a thing in that Athelantar kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, he met the uh, Magister at the time, and there's there's an idea of the Forgotten Realms that, of these things called the Magisters, and they are uh, sort of the the top wizard as designated by Mistra, the goddess of magic, and um, basically uh, was tried to sort of um, convince to become a wizard at that point, and he rejected the idea and went on to more adventures. Uh, but eventually he came around to uh, around to the idea and uh, trained in wizardry and um, he became king of Athelantar uh, and it's sort of a very sort of Conan-esque way you gotta kill your, the old king and, uh, and claim the throne and then uh, almost immediately gave that up to a friend of his uh, and then went off on various and sundry other adventures. Uh, he was at one point a woman. Um, and Of uh, course he was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a priestess of, of Mistra himself. Uh, and uh, all kinds of wacky adventures since then. Um, so uh, let's see, he was for a very long time just called, uh, his, his sort of um, nickname was Sage of Shadowdale because he lived in a tower in Shadowdale, uh, which is in the Dale Lands of the Realms, a very sort of pastoral area. And, uh, and since then, he's been on all kinds of crazy adventures in various novels and sorts of things. What um, is his, uh, you know, goal? Like, what what is he trying to do as far as living this long and and, and being a, now he's involved with Mistra as well? Yeah, he's so he's been a chosen Mistra for a really long time. That that sort of conveys uh, various magical powers and then also uh, sort of immortality. He's basically a kind of demigod, um, and. Uh, super wizard, of course. Also, he's 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 a super high level wizard, and so his uh, his sort of shtick has always been um, to let people live and be good, and you know, uh, bore, let people explore wizardry and that kind of a thing. He doesn't really like um, anyone, any sort of tyrant or bully, or anyone telling anyone else what to do. Uh, but he's sort of a freewheeling fellow. Uh, in comparison to some of the other powerful wizards of Forgotten Realms who are, who are uh, a bit more either grasping or staid in sort of their um, lifestyle. Uh, he's, 
he's very much a uh, free thinker and, uh, well, he gets around. <laughs> he's he's been known in Canada, actually, from time to time. He's so, even uh, acquainted himself with wizards from other worlds. Yes, that's true. Uh, there was a long-running series of articles in Dragon Magazine where uh, Ed Greenwood uh, would host uh, the Wizards 3, which I think at one point turned into Wizards 4, uh, where wizards from Mordenkainen, Elminster, and... Um, Dalimar. Dalimar, yes, thank you. Uh, would come and visit his house, and he'd he'd give them uh, Mountain Dew, um, and then hide <laughs> in a suit of armor and listen to them talk uh, to one another about various and sundry events in their worlds and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. Interesting. So, uh, Chris, how do you uh, interpret or use Elminster as a, as like an adventure builder? Like, how would how would you? Uh, so Elminster, him? who's sort of seen and done it all, is quite content to leave the modern, forgotten realms in the hands of new adventurers who have uh, the, the spirit and wherewithal to go out and solve all of the world's problems, uh, he's sort of turned into a mentor-like figure. He's currently holed up in Waterdeep, helping the new open lord, Laryl Silverhand, get her feet underneath her, politically, right. uh, serve as an advisor to her. And in the meantime, he's always on the lookout for able-bodied adventurers that he can sort of uh, point to and say, hey, there's a problem over here, maybe you want to go check it out. So that's kind of his role these days. He's he's sort of taken a back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of a quest giver or a, yes, or a, 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 exactly. a sage to mm-hmm. talk to when you need to, but only uh, right. in that. Yes. Uh, he, he doesn't feel like he has a whole lot to prove at this point <laughs> in his life. Um, and he's kind of in a decent place. So very much a quest giver, very much an inspiration to young characters around the world. Um, and... Uh, Hard to get in touch with when you need him most, strangely. Mm. It seems to be a knack of his. He comes and goes to various places and uh, rarely lets you know beforehand when he's taking off. So, typical wizard. Typical wizard, yes, absolutely. Uh, So, what is his relationship with Volo, then? How does uh, 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 Volo figure into this this dichotomy? The odd couple. (laughs) So uh, in in the fiction of the world, uh, Volothamp Gedarm is... A uh, traveler and wizard himself of of, of some repute, a I small suppose. Repute. <laughs> <laughs> small repute, <laughs> and uh, and he writes these travel guides, or uh, in one particular case, uh, a guide to magic uh, that uh, oftentimes infuriate uh, the individuals uh, about whom he's writing. Mm. Uh, particularly, the guide to magic uh, infuriated some several wizards uh, whose secrets he revealed. And then there's uh, his sort of reviews of various pubs and taverns and cities and so on along his travels in uh, the various Volos Guides books where, uh, you know, I get the sense that he's, he, he writes a good review of a place that gets, gives him a lot of free food and then writes bad reviews of places <laughs> that charge high prices. The worst kind of Yelp <laughs> reviewer ever. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he, he, he peeves off various uh, leaders of towns and that kind of a thing, and he's constantly sort of getting himself into trouble and out, in and out of scrapes. And uh, so in the fiction of the world, those, those books have all been produced by um, a printer in Waterdeep, uh, the, the Tim Waterdeep Limited um, group, which is a, sort of a publisher there. And so they were known far and wide uh, in world as actual guides, like travel guides to uh, and, and things about magic and so on. 
Uh, was that like an in-joke, like a publishing in-joke when those were being created? So it's actually like the, the way that those products were written are, are as guides to the world, to people in the world, and then there are footnotes by Elminster, and that's where Elminster comes in, where Elminster is basically writing all these footnotes to these guides. And it's like he got a review copy of the manuscript <laughs> yeah. magically, and, and he couldn't help but he's, writing he's, the margins. He's correcting and insulting Volo every now and then, and you know, <laughs> this kind of a thing. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. So uh, uh, did they know each other personally? Have they ever met? I think within the, the yes, definitely they, they have um, met, and uh, I, I think Volo uh, uh, would love to have many conversations with Elminster, and Elminster would studiously avoid that <laughs> proposition <laughs> as far away as possible. Yeah, uh, Volo's idea of adventuring is like my idea of like adventuring. Um, it's going to five-star hotels. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, uh, he doesn't actually put himself in mortal danger very often. He has a good nose for staying out of trouble, um, at least lethal trouble. Um, it's not like there's anything of appeal in that dungeon over there. Most of what he writes about are Towns things that he can enjoy from the comfort of his <laughs> nice quaint villages. <laughs> yes, from the comfort of a, a a warm hearth and table and a nice mead. But he's happy about telling stories, you know, third hand if an adventurer happens yes. to be like, oh, I was in that dungeon. And yes. he'd be like, yes, tell me about it over dinner. Yes. You're buying, right? Yes. And I'm sure he's co-opted stories, stories that are actually, you know, the adventures of somebody else that he overheard and kind of made them his own. He's a bit of a rapscallion that way. Mm -hmm. um, and not unlike Elminster, he's not a demigod. He is just a, a human being who, through luck and audacity and a little bit of misfortune, has survived through the ages. So because of their similarity, is that part of why they uh, are at odds uh, in a way, that the Elminster sees a little too much of himself in Volo and wants to correct any waywardness that uh, his, you know, Certainly adventures I've, might get? Uh, so like my, my comment earlier, um, you know, with Dave Gross' quote about, about Ed being sort of part Volo, part Elminster, I, I think that that's very true. I think they, they represent two sort of sides of, of Ed Greenwood's uh, very um, mischievous nature, mm. and uh, you know, Elminster with with Volo in the equation. I think Elminster often becomes a bit more buttoned down and and, and like more serious uh, than Elminster off on his own, who gets up to no end of of crazy hijinks. Uh, so um, it's it's a really fun, I think, interaction. Uh, that you sort of get to see those characters have, and then you know when you realize that that that's interaction is written by you know the one guy who really deeply loves both those characters. It's and you, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, individually, both characters are sort of caricatures, but when you put them together, they kind of humanize each other mm. in a weird way, kind of bring them down to earth. Right. I like the, your your uh, comparison at the top to the Odd Couple. You know, mm -hmm. you wouldn't really want to have a solo story about Felix Unger. Wouldn't really make much sense. Well, I, I'd watch I'd watch the Netflix series Elminster and Volo. Yes, <laughs> room, room together in a Manhattan flat or something. Yeah, let's uh, or a Waterdeep flat, of course. It would have oh, to be. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. I like this. We're pitching this to Netflix right now. Um, all right. Awesome. And of course, we're talking about uh, these two and their relationship because Volo's Guide to Monsters uh, uh, continues that grand tradition of writing guides to the Forgotten Realms. Yes, and Absolutely. they feature both uh, Elminster and it features both Elminster and Volo as narrators of a sort. So, yeah, they, they're, they're it's similar sort of interjections and call and response kind of things with those two characters. So, uh, Elminster often uh, correcting Volo. So again, 
Which, whichever one you want to believe is up to you, I guess, yeah. the reader. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, look for that November 14th uh, and uh, uh, end of October is when you'll find that in Core Hobby Stores. And Excellent. there'll be a special new cover for you Core Hobby Store buyers. That's it's right. So Our cool. first experiment into the land of alternate covers. Yes, by the amazing Hydro 74. Uh, uh, the art looks really fantastic. Yes. And the other one by Tyler Jacobson, also fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Not too shabby. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if we've made this uh, abundantly clear or not, but the, the one cover uh, uh, with the painting uh, by uh, Tyler, there's a halfling character holding a book. Uh, which has the alternate cover on it. Yes. yes. Uh, which I just love. That's kind of in, very in meta. meta-ness to it going on. So thank you guys. Thank you. We'll be back next week. So that was Mr. Chris Perkins and Matt Cernet. I love them. I just want to give them hugs after they do every one of those things. Why don't I'm, you? I, well, I mean, truth be told, I do. But, oh, you do? Yeah, but I don't, you know. That's why you invite him. I don't on want to make them. They get embarrassed every time. They're like, Greg, oh. stop you're just so it. moved. I like, really I just feel so I knowledgeable. It's amazing. I know. I know. It's I know. good lore. It is good lore. And as like the D and D nerd who's been like loving this lore forever, it's just uh, it's so nice to talk to people who actually make it and know it. I know. It's amazing. Sit right next to him. So speaking of people who make it and know the lore, uh, we've got Wolfgang Bauer Love stopping him. in. Love him. He is, uh, you know, like. Just a rock star. He's going to have some good stories for us. I know it. I know it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's invite. I think he's actually outside the room, so we'll just get him right in here, and uh, we'll get Ryan to turn on the thing. Yeah. You probably could. Be tough. Be strong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lick, lick garbage. I love yes. this book. I yeah. love it. Good. I love it, too. I love it so much, I wish I'd printed more. When did it come out? Uh, it shipped at Gen Con was the first public release. And it was in stores three weeks later, two weeks later. Wow. So. She's beautiful. Yes. That is, in fact, a Magic the Gathering artist, I believe. Ava Wiederman. Oh. I think she's done some magic cards. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, all right, switches. so I, I, I feel like this is all good stuff. We just, we like, hey, just by the way, we're just we've been talking this whole time, but this is a podcast. Of course, recording. He's always recording. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, we should probably put something more like a beginning. Oh, well, we do that normally. <gasps> it's we'll do Elsa. That beforehand, but it, we'll just get right into it. Everyone says, but she's this. She is a snow queen. That's Elsa. Uh, well, maybe a little. Do you know we have a, uh, uh, someone here <laughs> who works at Wizards? Her name is Elsa. Yeah. Which and I just met her recently, and she has a sister named Anna. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, and they're like, they, she's, they stole my idea. Really? They stole my family. Yeah, she said it. Wow. And she's a snow queen. And she is a snow queen, but she's not blonde, so it's okay. She's not platinum blonde. She could be blonde. She could, I guess, oh, yeah. Like, probably not anymore. She's like, no, I don't want to be like Elsa. No, don't want to be like Elsa. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, you talked about this book last time you were here. I did. Yes. I totally did. Now I'm totally excited about I, it because yeah. it's actually a thing you can hold. Saw these guys at Westport. Yep. Those crabs? Garoder crab. Well, they're called Garoder crabs in the Tome of Beast, but I think in Westport they're more like, what, blue crabs? I, I just saw their, they, their, their, big claws. Hand, their arms all over the beach. Really? Dismembered. Mm. Oh, because the birds had them. Yeah. Or a party of adventurers had come through. Or, maybe, or maybe a party of Kenku. Something we'll just, like that. Something yeah. had their way with them. It's yeah. not, not That cool. book is our huge hit this of the summer. This is amazing. It's, I'm just going to keep flipping through it. So you well, guys you can just keep talk flipping. It's 400 yourself. pages of new monsters, so you can just keep flipping. How many flipping. monsters are in here? 
I think it's like 405. Wow. I did something right over 400 by All a tiny bit. from the minds of cobalt. Of crazy cobalt designers like, well, me and much more to the point, Chris Harris, Dan Dillon, uh, Rodrigo Garcia Carmona, who is our Spanish contributor. He uh, has the best name ever. He totally does. He really does. <laughs> Rodrigo. And um, he did a whole bunch oh. of the, the sort of desert monsters. And the flab giant. The yeah, flab giant. Also, Everyone's what I felt like this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of brings the gross. In. Hey, well, the happy five-year anniversary. <laughs> we felt that it would be well-timed to include some new giants. So we put in the Thersier and the desert giant, the flab giant, because they're something, storm kings. There's some, yeah. some gianty type giant stuff out there. strange type. And oh. the, the Thersier giants are all about the runes. Oh, yeah, and this guy. How do you pronounce this? Uh, I have to look at it because there's an A-E in it. It's Hreisvelger. Oh. And I'm probably butching it, and your Norwegian listeners will, or Swedish listeners will tell me I'm We are huge in Sweden. Totally we'll make wrong sure about it. And pass off all of their comments to you. That guy directly. is straight out of the Norse sagas. He, he is called the Corpse Swallower. He is a nasty, nasty mm. giant. Corpse Swallower? Yeah. That's not to be confused with Sword Swallower. No. <laughs> no, he, he sort of eats the dead and... Transforms into an eagle. Oh yeah, he's got. He's carrying around some. He's carrying around some coffins, coffins. just for scale in that picture. I was just gonna <laughs> say. I actually was noticing. Okay, now I can get a sense of how large he is. That sounds yeah. like some art direction that was in in progress. There. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so yeah, giants, rune magic. We did a little of that, little section of that. Fun. Yeah. So when, like, how? How long Were did this take? Yeah, like, did you guys say, well, let's make a monster book and create a 400 Oh, we've been saying that since Cobalt Press was formed, right? monsters, yeah. or are these monsters from, like, the history of Cobalt Press? Uh, some of them are, right? Like, some of them are 4th edition monsters that we brought up to 5th edition. Um, some of them are brand new. Uh, 20 of them were written by backers of the Kickstarter. Oh, we that's said, cool. You know, everybody who backs it gets to send us a monster. And everybody gets to send us one. We had 2,300 backers. I had nightmares of, oh, they're all going to send me one monster, and I'm going to be reading monsters for, <laughs> for two months. <laughs> right, for months trying to. But fortunately, it was only like 150 submissions, maybe? Only. Only. And we just picked the best 20, and so those and got And 20 included. of them got in there. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and then, yeah, some go back to uh, to the Midgard campaign setting that I've been running forever. Uh, some of them are new takes on, on old ideas, like there's a new knoll and a couple of new kobolds, like a kobold alchemist and a trapsmith. I saw the trapsmith. I like that, that piece of art that had the three lenses yeah, on it. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, gonna, I Let's get that. the hair trigger working oh. on this. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Good old-fashioned snakes. And new dragons <gasps> and demons and devils. Yes. What? Yeah, well, your, see. Your wife's name is It is. Shelley. My wife's name is Shelly. And there is actually an Irish uh, legend about the Shelly coat, which is a... Oh, my gosh. A Shelly coat monster. I hate your Shelly coat. When you ever wear that, I'm like, get that Shelly coat off. I have so many Shelly coats. <laughs> it's like a traditional Celtic monster. And we said, nobody's done this ever. Why don't we do it? Right? He's wearing a coat of shells, I'll have you know. Uh, yes. Which is code word for shame. Not my coat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> shame. <laughs> well, he is sort of frog That's kind of awesome. aquatic. Hmm. And, yeah, well. we got the Shoggoths in there. We asked the... Uh, Getting some Cthulhu. Yeah, we asked the... Slow Cth Storm. That's a fun one. The mechanics on that are freakish because it's, well, it's a very small thunderstorm, like a giant storm compressed into a tiny ball. Oh, my God. So... This um, is so 
Cool. Yeah, no, people have been ripping monsters out of this and, and bringing them into their Curse of Strahd game. Somebody was like, oh, I'm going to use the Beggar Ghoul and the Miling and this and that. It's like, okay, we've got that. And the Lich Hound. Um, and other people are just, you know, running it in their homebrew campaigns. It runs from CR 1-8 to 27, I want to say. 27. <laughs> 27 oh, for our biggest awesome. demon lord. Yeah. Uh, who's another one of those unpronounceables. Emechuiti. Huh? You practiced yeah. that before the podcast, didn't I you? Did. <laughs> he's been around. He's he's got a whole lore and myth. And the Migo in there, yeah. See, Amigo. Amigo. Not to be confused. So they're, when you're he's not, not your, your Amigo, not your Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> he is no, not friendly by that picture at all. Uh, so when you're doing stuff like this, when you're when you're, uh, how much do mechanics and art and everything? Oh, they all play together. Play right? together. Yes. How do well um, as you are like basically you know the major. I driving creative force behind this Managing book. editor, janitor, publisher. Right. Uh, part-time designer. Um, yeah, so I had my hands all over this project, which means uh, I kind of know where all the seams are sewed together and where the shiniest jewels are and all that. But, yeah, I have to communicate with the art director and um, the designers and a huge squad of playtesters. We had something like 500 playtesters. Oh, wow. Thing, wow. Which for a small company like us is quite a thing, right? Uh, ben McFarland was our coordinator. I would have lost it without somebody uh, wrangling the playtest crowd. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of feedback from them uh, went into the book. So That's always good to hear. Yeah. You don't want to do playtests without having that actually be incorporated into the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. We took all your playtest notes yeah. and put them in a pile right over here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. We, That's we, like doing like, we did audience <laughs> testing and uh, we decided to ignore it. Yeah, no. We, we read everything. And we didn't take every comment, right? Right. But, um, but for the most part, yeah, people were smart about it. They said, we're running it. Here's what we saw. Here's what we didn't see. Um, it was a TPK. Oh, okay. We should look into that. Yeah. Right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go be like, oh, well, you did something stupid. That's why you TPK. Yeah, right. right. It's like, uh, It's not really? the monster so much that as was your party? the okay. fact that your rogue went in <laughs> right. blazing, blazing hot. So, I mean, yeah, we, we try to get it all to meld together. And then mm -hmm. at a certain point, it's like, Oh, well, Monster A and Monster B are by two different people, but they seem related. Or this monster came in from a backer. Like the worm-hearted Suffragan came in, and she's this, it, is this horrible undead spawning cultish figure mm -hmm. who, uh, yeah, basically worships a demon goddess of death and decay. Yeah. And then we said, well, you know, we over here in the Demon Lord section, we've got Korgoth, the Lord of Worms, written by someone else. But it seems like these two monsters should play well together. Yeah. So let's kind of stitch them together and let's make some connections and hooks and one serves the other and, you know. Oh, that's cool. So it took, over time you did a lot of that? Yeah. Connecting the dots, making was, the connective tissue feel that, like one? That was part of the sort of late breaking work in, you know, proof stage one, proof stage two, or, or late editing where mm -hmm. we're saying, yeah, okay, these things... Um, we should make that connection as explicit as possible for the reader because it's a 432-page book. You know, they may not jump straight from the Ds to the Ws yeah. and see that those work together. So let's let's make that link make it clear overt as possible in yeah. the text. Uh, and did that in a bunch of places. There's a lot of uh, fey creatures in here, like who serves the Snow Queen and who works with these guys. And when the Queen of Night and Magic sends assassins, who does she send? Oh, well, it's these guys. Um, so, yeah, drawing those connections was a big part of it um, and, and making it all fit. And, uh, 
you know, tables by challenge level at the back and uh, <laughs> credits oh, yeah. and, and all of that. Um, Nobody reads the credits. Why put that in, right? No, I mean, and yet, no, actually, that's not true. The people <laughs> who read the credits are the people who are in them. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> those 20 backers who have a design credit for the first time, a lot of them, right? Yeah. Uh, and some of them are names that Cobalt Press has worked with before. I know. Um, I'm just kidding. I, but you know a, people read the credits. That's the first thing I did when I got on the team. I was like, hey, look, I'm on my name. Well, on my name is amazing. Page. It's like we... There was a play tester we oh. missed. Cause, uh, anyway, oh, so yeah. That always happens. That happens, but it's... Rodney. Sorry, Mr. or Mrs. Playtester. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. And a bunch done. of these monsters, by the way, are now in, in some of the supporting material. Like we have little cardboard pawns for this, right? Stand-ups, like in oh, really? Monster Vault, if you remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have those. So, you know, you don't need minis right away, or you, you may not... You may want to just buy the pawns because they're a lot cheaper than collecting 400 new minis. Uh, we have, uh, and we have a book of layers, a book of one-shot adventures that use monsters from the Tome of Beasts. So if you're looking for a quick one-night adventure that is going to um, make your, you know, rules hounds and the ones who are kind of overly familiar with the existing monster corpus freak out, <laughs> um, I would say the book of layers is is full of those one-shots, and a second set of one-shots called Prepared. Um, Prepared? I, yeah, bec well, and the idea is, is you as a dungeon master may not always be fully prepared on a game night. Yeah. Like, I didn't know you. they were going to go into this random house in the city. Exactly. Would you like to have a, you know, uh, an encounter with some goblins on the road to slow things down so you... <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Right? Yeah, it's like just, a little bag of tricks for Dungeon Masters. It's a bag masters. of tricks for that Dungeon Masters from, brilliant. like, 1 to 15. And they're not all monsters out of Tome of Beasts. A bunch of them are out of the Monster it's Manual, too. But, yeah, it's a chance for us to throw a few of these in there and show how it, it works. So. I can't stop looking at this. I know. There's a lot of good pages. Dog mold. And I like that that collector's edition is like a coffee table book. You it know? is. Just put it out there. And, it is. And, and, it's and luscious. Be the, the, the envy of all of your parents, you know, <laughs> all of your kids' parents' <laughs> uh, friends. Be like, the local What's that? Oh, parent, you have a Tome of Beast? Oh, that's neighborhood so cool. parent group comes over. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure I want the neighborhood parent group to see, like, the so. demon chapter. But there it is. Show them the clockworks. Right? Yeah. Those, those are, uh, yeah. In Seattle, cool. I feel like they, they would all they be They would like, be cool with that. Yeah. Was at a kid's birthday party yesterday, and uh -huh. one of the dads had a D&D t-shirt on. Nice. Hey. Was it Rage of Demons? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it was just straight up logo, but still. Very cool. Do you want to look at this? I do want to look at this more. The whole time. For sure. So, any monsters ever cross your path that you go, oh, God, no, too gross, too scary, too weird. There's a couple that are close, right? But they still go in but the they book. they still go in. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't like the gross monsters as much as some players do. But I'm like, I know somebody, you know, my friend Jim's going to just dig this. Yeah. And he's going to have a fun time with it. I mean, that, I talked about Sanctuary of Belches last time when I was here, this adventure that uses the flab giant that you saw yeah. there. Yeah. It's kind of a gross adventure, but it's hilarious. And, you know, if you're going to go into a bog of eternal stench kind of adventure, yeah. I think the party is going to bring the laughs, right? They're going to bring the humor. And, and those goofy and somewhat ridiculous situations are often the most fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Sounds like it. Because I run... Oh, my campaign may not be typical, but I run way too much dark, grim, gloom-ridden, the end of all things is upon you, uh, 
Ravenloft-ish stuff. Um, so humor is welcome when it happens, right? And, yeah. And that's always up to the players, almost always. I like these different ghouls, like having a... Oh, yeah, that goes back to Dungeon Magazine number 70. Yeah. Totally my fault. I wrote Kingdom of the Ghouls. <laughs> and you're like, I got to get them all in here. And I just started being obsessed with them. And now it's like, okay, I guess I have a thing for, <laughs> for ghouls. For creepy ghouls. For creepy ghouls. And, yeah. you know, you could blame Lovecraft or you could blame that issue of Dungeon and that adventure. But I just keep spinning them out. Ooh, and nice having a lot of different hags as well. Yeah, a couple Can't of them. Oh, the Gugs. Ooh, the you know, your Dreamlands, your... Cthulhu Mythos, Dreamlands, there's the Gugs. So, I don't think that's anatomically correct, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) The Gug is a monster that has the, uh, uh, basically its entire torso is a mouth that goes laterally up the spine. That's the way Lovecraft described it, vertical mouths and split arms. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. They're completely disgusting, and they're still in there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess there you go. N- yeah. n- n- that all, is, no that holds is barred. Disgusting. It's that, a gross one, it right? It really is disturbing. Yeah. It's awful. It uh, reminds me of that. Uh, there was a, a lot of movies in the like ni- This would be a good segue to the '90s, but the, yeah. the vagina dentata oh, yeah. movies that were all about like yeah. White Wolf had a thing for the whole vagina dentata and movies of that period. Yeah. It's like okay, it's a thing. You could stop anytime. <laughs> That's what I mean. that was my Guys, I interpretation. Think yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but all right. Ooh, I love that one. The Smaragdine Golem, the Emerald Golem. Oh. And all right, on the page next to it is the Steam Golem, which was the first new monster I published under the Cobalt Press banner. Oh, it's what? A lot really? of history on this. These yeah. two yeah. right here. See, I got stories for everyone. I think Jason Engel did the art for both the original and the new one. I'm not sure about that. I love that continuity to be like, yeah, you did that art back in the day? Come back. Come back. Make it better. Yeah, well, now he's doing magic cards, right? So it's like, I can only afford one piece from the Jason. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, I mean, you love the the gems. The gems is a thing. You talked about the gem dragons last time we were here. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Emerald uh, Emerald Golem is is really in that. The Emerald uh, Golem Casino? Like I think I passed that on the yeah. board. Like there's the emerald tablets. If you're way into mysticism, right? The emerald tablets of Hermes were a thing, and so let's make it a golem. Shelley's way not? into mysticism. I can tell. I know you went to the esoteric book conference here in Seattle, right? Where all of the no, yeah, maybe yeah. not. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, modern alchemy. So I like Goatman too. Goatman's I checking cool. him out. Um, I like that his he. His, what is it? His, Beard, not his power. Horns. His, his attack or yeah, is a headbutt. Is a headbutt. Yeah, of course. Like you would. As it would. Right. Yeah. So what goes into making a monster? Like, I mean, because I feel really like when you're it? when you're working on this, you're just like looking at everything like that. Well, that could be a monster. Yeah, I think. I mean, every designer is going to have a different answer for this, but for me. Um, I need one cool hook, and sometimes that hook is, how does it look, right? Is it super creepy? Can I describe it in a way that will make everyone say, uh-oh, or ew, that's even better. Yeah. Um, or, the, or the mechanical hook, right? Like, okay, the Sphinx has got to have riddles, and those riddles need to play into powers, and those need to play well right. together. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as, I want to see 
player characters on fire when they're fighting this thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like, well, is that a flavor element or is that more of a mechanical? It's both. They're yeah. on fire. Or is it more of a character flaw of yours? To it's be like, I just want everybody to burn. My pyromania comes to the fore once more. <laughs> Some but... dungeon masters just want to watch the party burn. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, you know, if it's a basic human fear like snakes or fire, uh, hey, that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, or bugs. Or bugs. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think you could probably do psychoanalysis on various designers by, you know, do they like tentacles or do they like monsters that burn or what, what are their secret fears? Right. Vertical mouths. Uh, owls with human. Yeah. I was just looking dentition. at the, the Strix. Yeah. It's a really low level monster that is a messenger for the Fae and it has a human mouth and speaks. Oh. Yeah, and basically a human-looking owl. Yeah. That, I mean, and what struck me was the sidebar about them being familiar. So I'm yes. Like, oh, yes, I would love to have an owl familiar. Right. A like human owl one, familiar. I mean, those are fun. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's where it starts. And then, of course, somebody's got to write a reasonable set of mechanics and somebody else needs to beat on them with a bat in playtest. So, and the whole process... We think about the designer or the artist as the one defining the monster, but it's a team effort. Yeah. I mean. So you can come up with an idea and then just say, Goatman. And, yeah. And then somebody runs off with Goatman and yeah, I mean, flashes him out. I often hand ideas off to someone else. Um, but just as often it'll be, hey, backers, write us your coolest thing, right? We didn't hand them any ideas. They handed us fully written things. Um, so it can work either way. Sometimes it's like I need something that's low-level challenge and an ooze, right? Yeah. I'm trying to fill a particular right. slot on a spreadsheet that says, well, we need to balance this out a little. Oh, yeah. Um, there's the math part. There's the math part. Uh, and sometimes it's we don't have enough dragons or um, wouldn't it be nice to have something for the Underdark? So what do you find scary in real life? In what's, real life? Yeah, what's... Bankers. Bankers. <laughs> Politics. Yeah. Politics. Yeah, that's terrifying. Let's not, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, in gaming, the stuff that tends to scare me goes back to the first editions of D&D, like level draining. You made my character weak and pitiful. Right? It's like, no, don't do that. That's that's nasty. Um so, so things that take one, away. You like cats, shall I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, that's the, awful. The wampus cat. Why does it have to look like that? Well, I don't know. Because a lady if, face. Yeah, apparently they like rivers and streams. They're an Appalachian legend uh, figures. Yeah. Appalachia. Who made that one up? You want to go find them? <laughs> find Chris, well, like uh, Chris Harris more. wrote it, but um, I, I couldn't tell you who mm. in the in the hollers of West Virginia actually first made up the wampus cat. Oh, this is like a real legend? It's a real legend of the American... A wampus cat. Yeah. Yeah. East, southeast. What creeps you out, Greg Tito? What creeps me out? Yeah. Bugs. Yeah. Like on a, yeah, on a visceral you scale. Like, like if I see, especially roaches. Ugh. The big suckers, because if I see that, I'm like, oh gosh, it's gonna move, and then because I know they move eventually. Yeah. So usually, <laughs> you see them; they're 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 they're, they're stationary, right? Uh-huh. And then it moves, and it moves way faster than you think it at something that size should move. Ugh. Oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. Really. Visceral, like phew, sweats. Can't take it. 
Yeah, spiders, not as much, but Ugh. but that they always happen way more in Seattle. Yeah, we have big. We have a lot of big spiders. mothers. Like yeah, I killed one spiders. that was like this wide. Oh yeah, no. I'm, I'm, it's three inches wide, eventually from like uh. all of its legs in my bathroom the other day. Uh. I was like, okay, yeah, bye there, there buddy. They're they're around, and then people have tarantulas at, as pets, right? I know, so never understood not that. Me. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. My daughter, my daughter, when she was three years old, she's not scared of bugs at all. She loves bugs. Really? Uh, uh, and she, we were at some uh, museum. It was when we were at Durham, the Durham Life and Science Museum, and display case, lots of bugs everywhere. And a girl comes out in a lab coat and has her pet tar- tarantula that she wanted to like share and hang out. The entire place, full of families and stuff, poof, leaves. Everyone's like, <laughs> "What? No, get out!" And my daughter walks. Doo, 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 doo. Can I hold it? Can no. I hold it? And I just happen to be like videoing, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm getting this whole thing." Meanwhile, I'm sweating, like being like, right. "This is terrible." This I'm gonna is so have terrifying. video of the moment my daughter was bit by a tarantula. <laughs> but she like held it and stroked it a little oh. bit and it moved a little bit, and she got like a little bit like, "Oh," like scared that it moved, and uh-huh. then held it for like a good 30, 40 seconds. And then really? gave it back to the girl. And then did she say, Mommy, Daddy, can I get a tarantula? No, she just was like, yeah, I got this. It was so bizarre. No prompting or anything whatsoever. She just, wow. of her own volition. So, All right. I don't think she got the genetic genes to be scared of bugs no. yet. No, I think I like it, it, it would fearless. manifest by now. Yeah. Probably. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's the stuff that terrifies me. But in a D&D campaign, it's more about, like... Self-aware monsters, the ones that uh, you know know that they are gonna screw with you somehow and manipulate oh, you. Yeah. You know the Lich King type. Yeah, of. you know because you're so used to dealing with NPCs on like a you know non-deceptive level, but mm-hmm. when you're dealing with villains, you're always like, I don't know if everything that has led me to this point I should trust or not. Right. That's the stuff that gets me on an emotional level. Yeah, so there's a lot of them in this book, right? Uh, there are. We, we have a sort of bias toward humanoids and monsters that talk mm. um, because I like those kind of villains. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the intelligent ghouls here have a whole society. They're not just packs. They have an emperor. <laughs> uh-huh. I know, um, I saw that. Yeah, the emperor ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, should, would that be like a, a singular or is that like a... That's a singular. Yeah, we have a lot of legendary, unique individuals here. The fey lords and ladies, the demon lords. Mm-hmm. Emperor Ghoul and a few others. You don't want to have them have you know, packs of demon lords that are all the same. No, no, that would be boring. Yeah, and exactly. Lethal. I love it. Yeah. So a lot of good fun with that book. Um, we're we're just trying to keep up getting them out to your local hobby shop. Yeah. What's How many? the? Um, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say what the feedback has been. Uh, it's been great uh, from, from from fans and backers or packers happy with. Yeah, what they really are. Um, the backers are like, holy cats, you guys over delivered. I I didn't quite expect because we we gave every backer a set of those cardboard pawns as part of the deal. It's like you want the print copy, good. You get in a little extra. Nice. And the the book of layers as well. And you know. We loaded up the backers because we're very grateful for their support. Yeah, because um, I wouldn't have existed yeah, without so them. How many, how many without backers them. did you have? Let's say twenty-three hundred and something is our largest by number of backers. Wow, ever. that's amazing. Yeah, so I mean, Kickstarter makes great things possible, but now at this point, it's well beyond that, right? Like it's going into hobby shops. Oh yeah, the Fear Smith. Oh, that's so creepy. Speaking of like faces and teeth. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that. Would, well, there's a nice friendly sense. Oh, I'm cool with the fate eater. He can he can eat as much fate as he wants. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now. I can see my he looks like would he say, has yeah. eaten a lot of fate. That big 
belly of his. <laughs> eating up it's not a purple worms. worm. It's a worm that is purple. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Fat we, worm. I, I should have said something to the art director. Could he be green or blue? Purple. Yeah, a little less purple. Because purple as a color is Perry already Winkle. sort of spoken for. <laughs> In the worm category? Yeah. But it's all right. Does look great. They're linked. They're, like you said, maybe they're distant cousins. The distant cousins, yeah. Well, I mean, some are riffs on other monsters. The Fate Eater is just its own planar, eat your soul kind of creature. So. Not uh, really that much like a purple. I basically think we could go through and like pick every like what's the story behind this monster, I know. And, and you could well, that you know, was wrap surprise, right? About it. That's yeah. what people. That's the, what the feedback has been. Is like I've been going through here and I need X, Y, and Z for tonight's game, and I found four that I could use. I'm like great. How do you even? Distill it down. There's 405 monsters in here. Yeah. You, for tonight's game... Uh, kind of like the way you just did, well, like just flipping through. I mean, like, oh, you that's just cool. Pick and There's a table by challenge, right? Is there? So, yeah, that's in I, the back. There's okay. an appendix on that. I didn't so get back. That kind of, you know, how rough do you want to make it? And there's... Um, I can confirm there is it. And there is <laughs> right, an index. Right, right. Tito is nodding his head. <laughs> nodding his head. <laughs> Checks out. Alive. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I don't know. I heard that that was an important table, but I didn't make one monsters by type, so we had to put that one online. Um, oh, to be like, I want to see I all the I want to see all the dragons. Right? I want to see all the undead. I want to see all the demons. Um, it's like, okay, well, that exists, but it's not in the printed book. It's in the electronic. And the open book. game license is on here. Very good. Yes, very yes. Good. And well thank done. you very much for we'll that. We'll send this up to legal. Yes, as you should. <laughs> checks out. Checks pretty out. Sure, checks out. Pretty sure checks out. <laughs> Marty, Marty, we good? Okay, good. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, how do you pick monsters, right? How do you pick monsters out of the monster manual? You... I don't know. I mean, you have 405 here. I right. Say, All right, players, pick a number, <laughs> page 1 through 405. But you're the game master, right? You yeah. can say, I am in the mood for mischief monsters, and you look for something that looks mischievous, right? But you have to go through page by page by page. Well, I think you read it once and you remember, oh, the Chloricon is the leprechaun who's always drunk. We'll use him. Oh. <laughs> or the rum gremlin. There's actually two monsters of drunkenness, one nautical, one land-based. I don't know how we <laughs> managed this. You did Surprise, on purpose. You were like, it needs to... Apparently, I, well, I think they're by two different designers. Or no, one was a backer monster. Oh, cool. That's why. More, yeah, because backers are drunk usually when they're when they, when they put their so. money down. I think so. This was pretty well put together. <laughs> That's what I like to do: kick back, bottle kick of back rum, and kickstart. Yeah, back big some pledge. projects. Bigger hey, project. <laughs> I know. You know, Luke is always looking for more. You know, uh, uh, feedback for Kickstarter slogans: kick back and kickstart. Uh -huh. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, there yeah, that's <laughs> coming soon. I don't think he's going to for that. No, 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 probably not. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 again, I just feel like I could flip through this for a very long time and uh, uh, get a lot of love out of buka? it. What's buka? Bukovac. I think that's a Russian one, but I can't swear to it. It looks like a, a, a toad of some kind. Oh, the Bukovac. Oh, yes, yes, the toad monster. I love this one. It's got a giant sonic boom sort of attack. It lurks mm. in ponds. Um, it's a more traditional, I'm going to show up and you know, be the demon toad from hell. Um, less talkiness, less plotting and scheming, uh, more big and buff and... Um, Monstrous. Yeah, when it comes out of the pond, it takes the whole pond with it, and it eats the halfling and goes back to the pond. Okay. End of story. It's pretty straightforward. Really. Very straightforward. Yeah. With a croak. Yeah, so, I mean... Some are deeply involved and 
based on ancient lore, and some are more like, we just wanted to eat things. <laughs> That's true of a lot of D&D stories. I know. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. there's got to be something for everyone. It's an ogre. It's going to hit you with a club. What's its story? It's going to hit you with a club. <laughs> it was hit by a club when it was a small <laughs> ogre. <laughs> it's acting have, out. It's acting out. Repeating the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we were going to talk about the 90s yeah, as well. We Dungeons and Dragons 90s. We covered the 80s last time. Yeah, we were One of the believe, last times you were here. I can't believe I still remember the 80s. But yes, I do. <laughs> Just uh, very, very slightly. Very slightly. The 90s. The 90s when I got involved with Wizards of the Coast, right? That, that was actually when I started professionally in the game industry. Right. Um, First with TSR and then um, 1995, I came out to Renton, not far from here, in the old Social Security building, right next to the sanitation plant and the the Heron Rookery. What? Oh, yeah. Is that where Wizards was? That's where Wizards was before it came here to these much cooler buildings where you are now. The sanitation plant, like on Monster Road? Yeah, over by Monster Road. Aptly named Monster Yes, Monster Road. Road. We love being near Monster Road, right? Wizards living on Monster Road. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. What's that? Yeah. Um, But there was like, uh, I don't know why it was called the Social Security Building. I think one floor of the offices was the Social Security Administration doing whatever they do, and the other floor was the Wizards people. Really? And it was a total culture shock, right? Because you can imagine some sort of button-down, suit-and-tie, pantsuity kind of bureaucratic, whatever, people tracking important numbers for the state of Washington. And on the other floor um, was the Wizards crew of 1995, which in my mind, pretty much everybody was either um, had hair dyed an unusual color, was tattooed, was wearing like leather and handcuffs or uh, had a shaved head, right? It was some combination of these things. It they was were punk a, rock. It was a very punk sort of scene. And me coming as the farm kid from Wisconsin, pretty much, like TSR was a pretty well established, quiet sort of company, other than, hey, we make D&D. <laughs> but I was coming from TSR to Wizards when those were two separate things. And I'm like, who are all these people? How odd is this? Um, they are not Wisconsinites. That is clear to me. It's like, <laughs> not been Westerners at all. Wisconsin no. Anymore. And and the company was growing tremendously, right? I think it was in that that building over there on Monster Road for six months after I got here, mm-hmm. and then it moved like to much larger quarters because it it was just like magic is booming, things are great, we're hiring all these people. Um, and, and I knew it was time to move, like, on day one when I showed up, and they said, here's your desk. And I said, well, no, that's not a desk. For one thing, it's in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> For another, it's a door on a file cabinet, right? I'm like, oh, well, we have sort of a startup it's an culture. Ikea hack. That's Just about. That. It was an Ikea <laughs> hack, but I'm like, no, no. I know what a desk is. I have worked in offices for several years at this they were point taking advantage of your mis- felt, midwestern that's right you are not treating me correctly <laughs> you have stuck me with a thing that is not a desk and you have stuck me in an office that is a hallway <laughs> and literally for the first three or four weeks it was like okay people would excuse themselves as they moved past me in the hall oh. right and then i got a real desk and there was some room opening up and someone else got the desk in the hall and i would say oh excuse me i used to, <laughs> I used to be you yeah, i used to be you but I, i've moved One up day. let me tell you there's plenty of room in this organization <laughs> yeah just let's climb that ladder climb that what ladder. was your job when you 
I was hired by Jonathan Tweet to work on role-playing games that were not Dungeons and Dragons because I was hired before the TSR buyout. Yeah. So I was there a year ahead of time, and I was working um, not on Everway because Jonathan was working on that, um, but on other games. So there was like the Slay Industries RPG. Uh, they were trying to put together a Magic the Gathering RPG. There were several attempts at that over the years. Um, I worked on that. Uh, and I worked on, on bits and pieces of the card games like Battletech and Netrunner, uh, by which I mean I wrote flavor text, not I did the, the card mechanics game or mechanics or anything right. like that. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty wild and woolly environment compared to the TSR, you know, we have folders for everything. and Here's your schedule six months in advance. We know that next... Thursday in October, you'll be working on Al Qadim, right? And it's like, uh, it felt very much like being thrown into the swimming pool at some outrageous party in Los Angeles. At a Do you think it was because they were flush at the time? They were very flush at the time, although my tenure at Wizards also included Fallen Empires and the, um, the unfortunate market realities that hit soon after that set where it became clear that every retail in the world had ordered three times as much as they wanted because they would never get their full allocation. So they just gamed the system by saying, I'm going to order three times as much because I only get one third. And then they printed to order. Mm. Something like that happened. Anyway, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, but the company was flushed. There were five, 600 employees working on an amazing number of things, putting on great events, growing out the early days of organized play for Magic, uh, and still running this whole RPG division um, that was a small but really smart, right? I mean, Jonathan Tweet then went on to work on third edition, of course, and lots of other things. Um, but, but it was a really savvy crew, um, and everyone was trying to outdo each other. And Richard Garfield was still at the company at the time, right? Mm. So I would go get my morning coffee, and I'd say, hi, Richard. And, you know, that was <laughs> totally normal. Um, in later years, I, I mean, I knew who he was, and I knew magic was his game, but... I was like, well, he's a card guy, and I'm an RPG guy, and it's cool that he's here, but <laughs> he, how is he going to help my career? I, I, it was, I don't know. I, we weren't really tight, and you got to know an amazing number of people um, because just, yeah, everybody in the creative game space, artists, layout people, um, they were all at Wizards at that time. And they were drinking a lot of espresso. The espresso truck would come up to the Social Security building, like park right outside oh, the door. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about the yeah, Spro I think truck. Spro truck. And it was an announcement on the company yep. PA every morning. I was at Wizards when we still See? did the That tradition went for a long time. And I don't think it carried on after the 90s in any sense. No. But No it, more company announcements. Uh, the espresso PA moved, system. It yeah. moved into the building, right? Yeah. The machines moved indoors. There's an yeah. app for that. You can get that your coffee. That seems rather progressive, though, that back in the early 90s, mid-90s, yeah. an espresso truck would actually like... Well, that was like a Seattle culture thing, into. right? I mean, because that was something that was odd for me coming from the East Coast to here was right. like small little coffee shacks on every single... Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Corner is and still exists here in yeah. Seattle. Uh, for those of you listening at home, when you come to Seattle and you Coffee go outside shacks. the city itself, there's like small little like, you know, photo booth kiosks yeah. everywhere. And they all have like colorful names. And you can tell they have a, low, uh, a really loyal clientele yeah. of, you know, whether it's truckers or people who are always doing stuff, they always stop by, get their coffee and go. Yeah. And that doesn't exist anywhere else. No. It's really a Seattle institution. It's really interesting. So it's not an accident that Starbucks happened here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not an accident that the Wizards was like, yeah, bring the espresso the to truck. us. I just mean like the idea of the truck. Like yeah. The food trucks and whatnot are so popular oh, yeah, now. Too. But back, this was like 20 years ago. Right. Somebody was driving around an espresso truck. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they loved Wizards, right? Because oh, sure. people would line up. This was one of the best ways to get to know people at the company, right? There I am, new kid. Mm. Who do I know? Better go get an espresso and talk to my neighbors because I'll meet two more people at the company. Yeah. Right. Right. It was a nice sort of social thing and people would hang out and you're like, oh, your name's Jefferson. All right. What do you do? Layout. All right. Hey. Tell me about layout. Jefferson's, Jefferson's still here. He's still here. I know. Yeah. And I remember him from lying at the Sprout. He was one of the punk rock guys, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> did he, did and he and wear I think his he still is. He wore his top hat then. I think yeah. he still wears it now. Yeah. Perhaps. Is it a new top hat or the same top hat? He's probably got a collection of yeah, them. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, there's a few models that he that he brings out. Yeah. I like when like you had some visitors in the building and he was like, I wore my top hat today, too. Like he was like dressed up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when Guar was going to be here. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And yeah, I mean, visitors. Speaking of dressing up. Yeah. <laughs> when are you getting Guar on the show? Come on. Soon. They were supposed to be here. Yeah, they actually came. They did a, a, a show uh, in Seattle, and uh, we had a connection who they were going to come and be on the podcast. But they, their sound check went too long, apparently. No. But now they have a big important. hiatus before they're going to do tours again, and they, they're going to come especially to play and or and I'm like they have to be in costume when they're oh doing the podcast God. though that's the only way we'll do it oh wow yeah. we, we can be in costume too we're, yeah we're gonna cosplay as them yes while interviewing them yes alright I, I think can't we can do wait. this yeah, that sounds good. great maybe Halloween right? yeah maybe Halloween oh yeah. my God they It'll would totally love to be up. here on Halloween so one thing I always get asked by people who are like, oh, you work at Wizards. Do they still have the root beer tap oh, keg? No. And I was like, no. I, what are you talking about? Right. So I what, never what is experienced that? that either. I don't know why it happened, but at one point the kitchens did have a tap for root beer. And I don't know whether it was somebody at the company just liked it liked, and said, we should have more. Or, or whether there was a, you know, Costco connection and they brought in kegs from the... I don't know. One day it showed up and then one day it disappeared. <laughs> yep. Wizards is a magical place. It is a magical place. Like, if I had an ex-wife, it'd be like, just like my ex-wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> showed up, the next disappeared. Just disappeared, just like the root beer. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I love those traditions. I'm sure there are some now still here. Um what they are free popcorn free popcorn is the product room still a thing it's not an actual room anymore oh there used to be a room yeah where they kept the books and the cards and would you go line up and you would have to line up we used to not too long ago probably before you Mm -hmm. but not that long ago we still we were old school about it yeah they kept certain hours and you would go down there and wait in line and get your i would like a copy of x it always reminded me of Wheel of Fortune, mm. back in the day when you would like take your money and then you would look at the like the over designed living room uh-huh. and you're like, I want that ceramic owl for 50 and I'll take that love seat for 200 and yeah. I'll have the rest on a service merchandise gift card. 
Ooh. Do you remember this? You guys are staring at yeah, me. Yeah, I have a vague Ooh. sense. Was that, that was Wheel of Fortune? That was Wheel of Fortune. Oh, I didn't. I never so like, I would go to the product room. Like, oh, I'll take a monster manual for 50. <laughs> and I'll take now the latest the, magic set. Yeah, now it's all online, actually. Yeah. It's all like you basically uh, order it like and then a, it comes to It's like Amazon desk. Prime. Oh, with same day delivery. Actually, it's well, not no, it's like, like, like four-week delivery. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. a drone comes and delivers it to you. Hello, well, Greg. Rumor has it at Hasbro they actually have a male robot, M A I L. I was just gonna say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which way are we going with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually have a robot. They do. That's yeah, cool. but then I've talked to people that work there or have been there, and they're like, it's not really a robot. It's an automated thing that has a track that travels to different mail stops within the building and Yay. deposits mail but in my mind it was like that's what i went to i remember i know that reference okay oh, don't worry you don't remember the wheel of fortune i don't remember the wheel of fortune well because the wheel of fortune that i saw didn't have you like bidding on stuff it was just like here yeah, you, you get this take your money. go home do you remember it yeah i have sort of a yeah do you, you remember did something Ryan? with the cash you were not even born <laughs> stop <laughs> it's like wheel of fortune yeah what, what is that Remember the Pat Sajak show? All right, no, now we're, no, no, let's not go. <laughs> that was that was nineties too, wasn't it? Uh, Tell so, us about the parties. Yeah, what about the parties? Parties were legendary. I don't think I'm here. allowed to talk about the See, parties. That's what you I'm signed there. an NDA. As part I of did. Being I, I yeah. said, I, if you want to enter the party, you sign this release and this NDA. No, the parties were awesome. Um, I don't remember that much of them though. Because they were that <laughs> awesome. They were pretty much that awesome. Um, at first, I didn't know about them because I was the new kid. And then somebody said, hey, there's a party. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as if. As but, if, right? I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> um, but I was expecting, I don't know. It was another case where I felt a little fish out of watery, like I'm here with my six pack. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wisconsin cheese dip cheddar <laughs> hat. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the Packers jersey. Brother, on. Yeah. I, I knew better than to wear a Packers jersey, but <laughs> I was headed that direction. And, yeah. I'm like, uh, and you know, it was an awful lot of what I said earlier. It was like kind of a gother, cooler crowd, um, and I wasn't really that cool. So I had a good time. People are friendly. Um, all that leather and hair dye and you know, tattooing did not mean they were not nice people. They were. Oh. Usually they're nicer people. Usually nicer, yeah. They just look scary. Yeah. Like kind of like all the monsters in this book. Well, that's one of my favorite sequences in the Disney movie Rapunzel, which is Rapunzel goes out. She's told the whole world is scary and nasty and awful. And she and her friend Flynn stop in a bar full of very large men who have mustaches and tattoos and piercings. And they're all nice to her. And I'm like, wait, did Disney just do that? Okay. That's kind of how I felt going to the first Wizards party. Let's look. You Aww. felt like Rapunzel. Yeah, look, all these people <laughs> with piercings. These are great. Well, I would say Flynn, but okay, okay Rapunzel. Well, whatever, close enough. Oh, yeah, I'll go blonde. That's fine. Yeah. Rapunzel's the, yeah. Yeah, she's the star. Um, yeah, be the star. I'll be the star. I'll fine, the all right. You're going to make me say, fine, I'm Rapunzel. <laughs> Own it. Own it. Fine. <laughs> Those are words you didn't expect to say today. No, I really didn't. Fine, I'm Rapunzel. <laughs> Twist my arm. I shall rule. It's <laughs> a dark and vengeful princess from Disney. <laughs> That's awesome. But a well, tolerant one. Tolerant. Yes. Any uh, any last things on the uh, Wizards of the '90s tidbits you want to share before uh, you get the lawyers coming down on you? <laughs> uh, Wizards in the '90s is an experience I wouldn't wouldn't trade for anything. Right? I felt like I showed up sort of 
I'm coming from TSR. I'm a professional game person. And I walked into this whirlwind of creativity and chaos um, that, that was just wonderful. Great stuff happened. Um, made a lot of good friends. And um, yeah, at any day job in the games industry is awesome. But Wizards was sort of a level above this sort of Sharknado of creative <laughs> stuff happening was, um, was great. So that's where I, I, I sort of say that's where I relaunched, restarted a career, right? Yeah. From being the quiet kid from uh, TSR to being maybe a little louder. Still not loud. There's no piercings or anything I'm, I'm seeing. No. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you have a few tattoos yeah. that you're not going to show. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the That's next, a different the next show. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then it led you to making awesome products like uh, yeah. Atoma Beast. So. Yeah, doing the uh, sort of, I mean, right after I left is when 3rd Edition launched and the open game license happened and the D20 explosion. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's a whole separate era and you should probably get, uh, I don't know who to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan we'll do some recruiting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yes, yes. Someone. Yeah, um, he's got a lot to talk about. Yes, he does. But uh, it was great times and uh, the early days at Wizards were... Legendary. They really were. If only I had like gone to the product room and said, I want a display box of, oh, give me Arabian Nights. <laughs> if only yeah. I had been that smart. Yeah, you could have had your... Uh... I could have bought my first house. <laughs> uh, awesome. So Toma Beast is, is in, getting into stores now, you said, It right? is. Uh, yeah, we've had to restock it tremendously and... Um, it's doing well. If they, if people were unlucky enough uh, not to be a, a backer, is that the best way to get it? Yeah, your local store is a great place to go. You can go to coboldpress.com, of course. We are shipping our copies as fast as we can, but we've got a bunch of back order now. Um, Drive through RPG for the PDF fans out there. Oh, sweet. Okay, it is in, on PDF. Uh, Can I it say is. there's a fantasy ground? There element. is a fantasy ground uh, version of Tome of Beasts, and it has all the tokens. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. nice. Um, and it's it's fully set up and set up. And the Book of Lairs is coming from them probably by the end of September. So Fantasy Grounds is all over this, um, and is is doing great work. And Roll Twenty as well. Uh, Roll Twenty, not yet. Maybe down the road. Cool. Um, back when we kickstarted it, all our backers said we wanted on Fantasy Grounds, so we did that, and that means Roll Twenty is. A little behind. Nice, but I'm sure it's, but uh, it's the up. demand will will yep. surge after people yeah, listen to this all podcast. All those, well, all of the <laughs> digital virtual tabletops, right? They're uh, they're sort of a standard issue part of every big publication now. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely going that way. Um, what else we do lately? Oh, the Cobalt Guides to Plots and Campaigns is a totally different thing. Mm. But a bunch of ex wizards people have worked on it. I think. Um, that's what is that? What's the quick uh, precy on the, that? The quick precy on the Quibble Guide to Plots and Campaigns is, so you want to you run your best campaign ever? Why don't you ask people like, oh, I don't know, Zeb Cook, who wrote second edition D&D, or Margaret Weiss, who wrote those Dragonlance books, or, I don't know, James Jacobs does all these adventure paths at a company called Paizo, and Kevin Culp does the story hour as Pirate Cat, and I mean, we asked... And ama- uh, Rob Schwalb, actually, for that matter, oh. uh, tells you how to run an evil campaign without well, losing all would. your fight. Yeah, of course he would! Aww. Evil Rob. And he does a great job explaining, like, all right, what are the campaign elements? What are the um, story elements that you want to bring to your game? Um, 
to make it as good as it can be. And we went all out asking, you know, storytellers and game masters, what are you going to bring to this? What, right. what would you recommend? Uh, and the Cobalt Guides have been a series for us for a while. It was just time to talk about those longer kind of stories that Wizards tells now, right? Like the big hardcover things are all these long arcs. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you want to homebrew your own long arc? Because you've already played through Curse of Strahd and Storm King's Thunder, right? It's like, I want to write one of my own. Well, all right. (laughs) Here's (laughs) Here's how. Here's a few things you might want to consider, right? Um, Cool. And yeah, we like that book a lot. Uh, and it's I, out already? It's out already. It's on Amazon. It's on the Cobalt Press store. You can find it in hobby shops. It's out. Sweet. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. All right. It's good well, stuff. Thanks for coming by, Wolfgang. Thank you so much for having me. I know. It was a blast. We'll move on to uh, the year 2000. Oh, my God. Next time. Next time. You're going to make me talk about open gaming? Yeah. Third edition? You're going to drag me back to that? We're going there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have stories. All right. Bitter. Angry. I mean, happy. Happy stories. Oh, no. <laughs> Much like the monsters in this book. Yeah. Some of them Maybe are happy, we'll but most of, them, most of them are. Skip that decade. Go. <laughs> well, I feel like we covered the beginnings of uh, 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 Kobold's press yeah. in the first yeah. time you were we here. Did. So. We did. We did. So. There's always good news, always good stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Always a pleasure. We're going to go tap some root beer. Yay! (laughs) The root beer's back. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, man. All right. The thing. You know, uh, we talked a lot about how Wolfgang Bauer was great, but, you know, it was kind of okay. I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I like that these have had a progression. There's like a story being told in uh, intros and middle tros. Yeah, he's out. He's the best. Next time he needs to bring root beer and not just awesome books for us to flip through. And make us feel bad about. Our lives because we didn't get any root beer from the free kegs. I know. Do, do you get that often too? I'm not crazy, right? No. Other people who are always like, "Is there still root beer at Wizard's Office?" And I'm like, um, "No. What's that?" Yeah. No, I, I see it pop up a lot. Yeah, it's a thing. I it's wonder if thing. they like talked about it a lot in like Dungeons and Dragons. Know about it? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just one of those details before you know social media made you know all those details back Legendary. in the day. Yeah. Maybe it never happened, and it's just something that people say to make oh, the rest of us. Yeah, happen. like a like a group hallucination. Yeah, like in twenty years from now, people are gonna listen to this podcast. You know, Occam's Razor uh, <laughs> tells us that that is probably what it is. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're a little bit punchy, and we're gonna sign off before we go a little bit too crazy. But before we do, I would love you guys to go to the electronic iTunes. <laughs> Tell everyone uh, how much you love this podcast uh, and or give us some constructive feedback on how to improve it, make it better. We're always looking for new things, new segments, new ways uh, to impress and get dressed to impress. And and say yes to the dress. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, let us know. Uh, uh, that's one of the best ways. But you can also get in touch with us on the Twitter. Yeah. Where are you, Shelly, on Twitter? Shelly Moo. Not Michelle Moo? No. <laughs> no, Gregory. Okay. Gregory Tito. I am at Gregory Tito. No, I'm at Greg Tito. That's it. You can also uh, find out everything about Dungeons & Dragons at DungeonsAndDragons.com. And uh, while we're still on the Twitter tip, uh, go there and find out what's happening uh, and get a brand new, unique character 
from an amazing bot that was created by Field Train. Uh, Darius Kazemi and Courtney Stanton helped us out. Once again, they helped us out with the uh, Madam Ava bot. Oh, I loved Madam uh, Ava. And uh, this bot is uh, the new one we're running for Storm King's Thunder. Uh, basically has Harshnag, the frost giant, calling out this random uh, generated character with some amazing art from Richard Witters. Uh, cool. So if you're new to Twitter, this is a great way to jump on and uh, get basically have our Wizards account be a uh, random character generator that you can use for fun with, awesome. with an image, with an actual image of that character. All you have to do is retweet that tweet. That's right. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Don't the, quote the tweet. You can quote it now oh. based on your feedback. Really? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. All right. <laughs> Gregory. Gregory Bobby Peter. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, we probably should have put all that fun stuff in the beginning, but you who listen all the way to the end got to hear it. You will get 3,000 experience points. Tell your dungeon master. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>